Get ready to be dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Welcome, welcome back to another great episode of Dazed and Infused. Thanks for being here as always. And as always, the show is brought to you by Shuggies, S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S at Shuggies.com. Tonight, we are very pleased to have with us Travis Tharp, the CEO of Keefe Brands. And Travis, welcome to the show. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited for you to be here too, because I really like um, having a guest on the show where I like their products. And I had a Keefe Cola last night. It was delicious. So thank you for being here, man. Of course. A flattery will get you everywhere. So thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate it. So I did buy that at a great vendor up here, Mercy Wellness in Santa Rosa at their new grand opening the other day. So it's a shout out to you, Mercy, and the people at Mercy, and congrats on the new store. Um, I'm going to start out the interview as I always start out every interview. Um, what's your historical relationship to cannabis? How do you come to the business and what's your personal side in cannabis? Mm-hmm. Uh, I joke my, my introduction to, ca- to the cannabis industry. Uh, when I was three years old, I met a, a kid named Eric Knutson, uh, who years later, we were best friends for forever. And years later, he came to me in 2010 and said, I'm going to put cannabis in a soda. And I said, oh, man, you are stupid. What are you doing? I'm going to go join some tech startup in the VR space that doesn't that is like five years ahead of its time. Uh, but the, the reason I bring that up is uh, he was he was the only one at, at one point in 2010. He was one of the original cannabis brands and everybody was attacking the smoking aspect. And Eric said the two most common forms of human interaction are smoking and drinking. Everybody's right. attacking the smoking segment. I'd like to really attack the one that is that is more socially acceptable, something that allows everybody to stay at the party, allows it to be a social interaction. And that's really been his mission. And that intrigued me back in 2010 when we were when we were talking about this. I've always said that I'm Eric's nerdy friend uh, that he convinced to come into the cannabis business. And I, you know, I admittedly I am not a huge uh, milligram user. A five milligram will will get me. Um, I know we we have offerings for hundred milligram medical yep. patients, something that I could never ever go near doing. But I understand that it's it's something that is very needed, and there is a segment of the population, especially on the medical side, that that really appreciates it and knows that it's got this different form factor. Yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, that mainstream message is so important. I mean, that's what I used when I founded my company, and I wanted to have it at the five milligram limit. So that people could move up, you know, and, and enjoy the beverages or whatever they make, you know, in their own way, rather than me or you as a company dictating to them how they consume, right? Absolutely. So I, I, I applaud you for that. And I, I have noticed, though, that you do have the 100 milligram a drink out there now. And for me, too, I can't do that. It just would, you know, blank out my day for me. It just doesn't work. So, but it, you are hitting the heavy hitter crowd and they need that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was actually one of the one of the things that the initial founding team did very well 
back about 10 years ago when we were only on the medical side is they really embraced and engaged the high milligram user. And those were, those were the folks that were raising their hands saying, I want to be a part of this industry. I want to, yeah. I want to be evangelical about it. And, and I think that really helped us over the years because we gained credibility with the, the frontline retail workers. They were recommending us as an alternative to anything. If you had trouble inhaling or, or vaping, it was, it was a good alternative that, that they were comfortable recommending. And so when we, we went to adult use and rolled out our 10 milligrams. That really helped us. Yeah, I bet it did. I mean, it's, we've done the same thing because we were getting resistance from the, the bud tender crowd about having just five milligrams. So we upped the ante as mm -hmm. well. You know, I, I, I get where you're coming from on that. Um, let's talk about your, your progression within the ranks there. And at, you came up kind of, you did it like, uh, as they say, McDonald's style, you came up from the fry line kind of, um, maybe not that, <laughs> yeah. that down there, but you did come up from the beginning with them, which is pretty cool. Um, what, what insights do you gain from that? Because I think a lot of people think you just jump into CEO position or COO or CMO. What can you tell people at home about that transition and how important that was in your arc? It was a great learning experience. I've, I've been fortunate enough to be in a couple different industries. And, and I think what makes cannabis so unique is because it is so young developing as an industry. I mean, we're still in the second inning here. Uh, and I, one of the things that I truly appreciated is that Eric, he embraced me with open arms and, and took me around and introduced me to a lot of the people that were in the industry in that first wave, all of the founders, all of the people who said, I'm going to, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do it. Government regulations be damned. And there's, there's something to, to really respect and, and understand about that crowd that I think a lot of people that go in traditional businesses and CPG say, I'm just going to make the jump don't truly appreciate and, and I don't think yeah. I truly appreciated it when I, when I made the jump. And I'm really fortunate and grateful that, that Eric took me by the hand and, and helped show me the ropes of it because it's not like a normal business. You, don't, you can't operate it the same way. You don't have banking, at least not yet. Uh, you, can't, you can't necessarily get working lines of credit. It's, it's a really difficult business. And I have so much respect for the folks who are in the first wave and this current wave to figure out how to actually grow a business in the, in the backdrop of this climate because it is a challenging, challenging industry. And I love every yeah. minute of it. Yeah, and I, I do have to comment on your second wave analogy there. Is the, the second wave is kind of, I, I like how the smart money has stayed in, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Meaning that um, the really good people who are intent on staying with this, they're on the second wave. And some of those characters were in the first wave as well. But I love seeing like the seriousness of people seeing the risk reward principle as something that's real and something yep. that they can ride. Because it's like, not, this is not like anything else that has ever happened in our history. There, there is very few corollaries to this. I mean, you can say, oh, it's Bitcoin. Well, not really, but Bitcoin's still highly speculative and this is a hard industry, right? Mm -hmm. um, and encompassing everything, including manufacturing, growing, agriculture, uh, supplements, it, it's a, it's an amazing business compared to so many others. And I'm sure you see that on a daily basis in your experience in within Keefe has shown yeah. you how important all these integral parts are. Yeah, absolutely. And, and every day is it's new adventure and you, you come home at the end of the day, you go, wow, I can't believe that actually happened. But you, you take all these great experiences and you just try to apply it. And you try to, in, in our case, we're trying to uh, build a business and a brand that can scale across the markets. And so yeah. take, take all of the learnings that we get and try to combine them with some 
with some learnings from traditional industries, but, but recognize that it's not an apples to apples comparison. And I think that's where a lot of people have, uh, have made mistakes. They believe that if they come from the beer industry or from the, uh, the pharmaceutical industry, they'll, they'll know what to do. They've got the playbook, but I, I don't think that that's really the case. Right. Um, um, are you a Colorado guy or are you out here in Cali now? I am, I am Boulder, Colorado, born and raised, but, All right. uh, but went to business school out at UCLA and lived in LA for 10 years and a uh, special spot in my heart out in California. I love it out there. Uh, we try to get back as much as we possibly can, but, um, I'm sure, I'm sure we, you are. <laughs> uh, when, uh, when Eric, uh, when, when Eric presented me with this opportunity and we, and we really started getting serious about it. Uh, it was it was a nice change to be able to come back home and really focus in, um, and it was just the right time and the right opportunity. Well, that's great. I mean, it's perfect. Um, let me ask you something about just a straight up because I've been manufacturing for thirty five plus years. Um, I've noticed you you do both cans and bottles in certain markets. Is that is there any reason for that? You know, a lot of it because of the uh, because of the state regulatory infrastructure. We we try to look at you've got you have to build up your entire supply chain in, in within the state, as yeah. you know. And you you're trying to look for a couple things. You're you're looking for the right manufacturing partner. Uh, in in California, we have a great manufacturing partner in Canacraft. They already had exposure to beverages. Uh, they do yep. a lot. They uh, they know the folks at Mercy very well as well. And uh, and we we try to apply that filter to all of our partners in in every every um, every new market that we go to. Some have infrastructure with bottles, such as our our new partner in Maine, Novel Beverage. They've got a good bottling setup. Uh, others uh, have ten ounce beverages and cans. We through the course of the years in Colorado, we had to switch from glass to aluminum because of um, new regulate regulations on opacity, not being able to have glass right. bottles. Some of those since relaxed, and every state. Is its own unique. It's its own unique. Uh, I would call it a soap opera when it comes to uh, new regulations coming in and how the industry adapts uh, and and what you end up trying to do. One of the great things that we've really been excited about is we've been moving into 12 ounce cans. Um, we are a soda at our core. We've got other lines of beverages, but our original original offerings were the classic soda flavor. So to be able to offer those in cans in in a lot of our developing markets is really, really exciting to us because we can do some things with the rebrand that we did a couple years ago. Uh, it just feels good. And we can see it with the uh, acceptance in each of the markets and the sales velocity. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan of the Blue Raz, which I never thought I'd like, but I do. <laughs> Me too. Just from a, Me from, too. A color, from a color standpoint, I was like, blue, what the heck? You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> I hear you. Let me just ask you a, a quick, you know, like workaday world question here with compared to the cans, which is um, I was in the beer business many years ago. Um, canning is considered the optimal packaging for preservation of ingredients and stabilization. Uh, do you notice any degradation in product between the canning and the bottling? Uh, it's it's not as pronounced as as uh, some would some would lead you to believe. Um, yes, mm -hmm. there is some, but but I think you can actually mitigate that and uh, with with certain different types of formulations and the way that you apply your emulsions. Uh, our our quality and, and R and D team has done a fantastic job working with partners in the space and trying to figure out what is the right mix. How do you how do you make sure that you aren't losing all the potency, but you're also having a drink that tastes good? Right. Yeah. It's a it's a fine line, right? Very much so. Yeah. Well, uh, let's take a real quick break here and talk about WeedCon 2021, where Sense Distribution, the company that I am the CEO of, placed 
first in four different categories. And I wanted to shout out my participants there, uh, Pure Bliss, Green Bee Botanicals, um, The Parist, and we had one more, and that was, well, it'll come to me in a second. Um, but it was an incredible day out there, and it was fantastic. Oh, how can I forget? Chuck at F.A. Nino's Hot Sauce. Hats off to you, Chuck, for best in show at WeCon 2021. Uh, we're back here with Travis Starp. Um, just wanted to ask you, in the drink category, Travis, um, it's been touted in the media as being the next big thing. I believe that I'm working on some stuff on my own um, in R&D, but will big beverage come in and kill this golden goose? It's kind of this thing that's lingering in the background of a lot of people's minds. What, what's your mm -hmm. opinion on that? Well, I think, first of all, we've had a couple false starts with the anointing of beverages, the next big thing. Um, I'm at least one or two times in the last three or four years, you'll see a big announcement that says everything is going to beverage. But as you look at over the, we're still less than 1% of the entire industry. And so there's a lot of opportunity, which is very exciting. And, and there's a lot of different segments that can be addressed. And, and candidly, we don't address them all right now. So yeah. we're, we're in this evangelical stage, working arm in arm with, with all the different uh, RTD and dissolvable providers to really get the word out and be, be able to educate people in every market we go into, that this is an alternative form factor that is really gaining some traction. And one of the really interesting things of the last year is the pandemic really spurred a lot of uh, new adoption, new yeah, experimentation. Definitely. And we, we it, it's so ironic because we had all of our plans set on, look, social consumption lounges are coming. This is when beverage is going to hit. Oh. But, but the opposite sounds, was true. Sounds familiar, man. I had a whole yeah. wing of my business ready to go for lounges. <laughs> exactly. And, and the killed. good news, the good, the good news is, is that's still on its way. It's still yeah. on its way and it's coming. And like all good things, it takes a lot longer than you ever want it to. But <laughs> we, and, and we, I'm not gonna, ready to say anoint beverage is the next big thing because you fall into that trap of every, uh, the last couple of times when you've had those false starts. But I have seen over the last year and a half, a really big uptick. Like in our, in our most mature market of Colorado, uh, we saw our sales in beverages specifically double. And, and we saw across the board, we saw that happen in the first part of 2021, that trend is continuing. So you're starting to see people purchase with a, a intent of velocity, a four pack or, or buying a, a 10 pack of a, of a 10 milligram edible that can compete and have the same type of um, situation as, a, as like a 100 milligram pack of gummies. Uh -huh. And that's really exciting. It is exciting. And I've often said in my arc here in the last four years has been watch out because this is going to change into a grocery store. This isn't just going to be a um, uh, your typical weed and vape pen market anymore. It's going to change. And I'm seeing that changing now. And like, I'll just shout out another dispensary here, seven stars over in Richmond, amazing cold drink section amazing yep. uh, topical section. They, they've done it right. Their whole retail model is based on real marketplace um, edibles, you know, and meaning Safeway or Vons or Ralph's mm -hmm. or whatever. So it's encouraging to see certain retailers are coming through and understanding the model. And I'm, I'm often criticized within my staff saying, oh, you're too harsh on this. And I'm like, they, they, a lot of these retailers don't know how to retail. And it's, it's yeah. kind of hard to deal with. 
It is. And I would also like to echo the shout out to a lot of the retailers in California who did build their their spaces with a refrigerator or something in my I can't tell you how difficult that was to come by in the early days of, of the Colorado dispensaries, which were all set up pretty much bodega style. And you've yeah. got a you don't have much room for displaying product. There's not much opportunity for for consumers to interact with the product. You've got a retail sales agent that is that is between you and the and the products. And and so trying to speak to both of those uh, stakeholder groups is tricky. Uh, but we we've, we've been very fortunate over the years. As I said, we've been we've been had a very strong relationship with the bud tender group, and we have an offering for them and. And we hope that that they take that goodwill and they they recommend to someone who's never tried it before uh, to uh, to take a chance on a different form factor than just uh, flour or vape. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I hopefully you, your mission is accomplished because I'm on that same mission. So let's keep going. Um, let's talk about your taste profiles. Who came up with them? Do you have an in-house taste profile team? So we've got we have a surprisingly small team, and uh, okay. and, and that's been by design. We've been able to to do that. Our uh, our head of quality and, and R and D he comes from beverage and, and food manufacturing for the last thirty years. He's he's done a great job tweaking uh, the taste profiles. Uh, and the the original founding team really Eric and and Co, and Co spent a lot of time trying to figure out what is the right taste profile. And then the second part of it is how do you interact with the right emulsion so that you don't just have something that that gets your tongue to shrivel up as you're as you're swallowing because we've, we've tried some we've tried some beverages in the past that where that happens and and even even now it's a trick the the um the emulsion technology has come so far but there's still so much more that can be done yeah and so it's finding that right balance at this point in time well, you do have amazing uh, consistency in your taste profiling you know, from one month to the next, uh, six months apart. You're basically getting the same drink, and that's a testimony to your team. So shout out to those guys for sure. I yes. do have to say that the Bubba Kush root beer is tastes like, you know, old time bark root beer, which is fantastic. Yep, that is that has been our, our number one seller since day one. And, and I think to what you just said is it rings true with a lot of people. Uh, that's the reason that it that it won the High Times Cup at the national level in 2015. It's the reason that it's the number one seller by velocity. And, and really, the fact that you can go home and have a Friday night treat and do a root beer float, which has been extraordinarily popular amongst <laughs> all of our users, and a, and a treat for for tourists that come to to our early states, uh, that that has really been a been a staple. Um, I would call it just a pillar of our of our company over the last 10 years. Uh, that's cool. Well, that, yeah, that is a great, great one to put your hat onto or whatever it is. Uh, it's amazing uh, flavor profile. Um, can I ask you, is, is yours a nano or distillate or is that uh, proprietary? Uh, you know, we've, we've tried a bunch of different types of, of emulsions over the years. Uh, we've got a, a proprietary emulsion uh, that, that infuses distillate and encapsulates it using uh, sonic emulsion. Uh, uh -huh. We've tried a couple other different different uh, formulations, and and we've partnered in California. We partnered with Canacraft and Vertosa, uh, and we we've, we've definitely said we want to find the best technology to provide the best product that provides consistency across states. Uh, and that's yeah, another I mean, shout out to the quality team on that. Yeah, and you do have a little bit of a cannabis flavor in there, so it's not. Uh, you can identify it still as a cannabis drink, so you're not confusing that when you're making your root beer float for the kids, which is good. Mm -hmm, definitely. Yeah. Um, do you consider um, mainstreaming as a mission? Like, is that a, a mission for you? Or is that just a tangential thing that's happening? 
Uh, I, I, I think it's a core part of our brand. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we, we did a, a brand refresh and, and look back to figure out what is really important to us and to the brand two years ago. And, yeah. and we came up with the, the pillars and you go through the exercises of your mission and your vision. And what we really boiled it down to is we wanted to have something where everybody from the newbie to the cannabis connoisseur to Eric's 94 year old grandma could be be able to uh, have a product for them from Keith. And a, a funny story uh, that was we use as our Genesis story is one of the first batches of, of Keith Cola that came online from a soda stream. Uh, it went and Eric gave it to his grandmother and she took a sip, smiled, took another sip and looked at her husband and said, you just said I couldn't smoke it. And with that, we, <laughs> we all started going, they're, they're on to something here. Well, Travis, you just beat me to my uh, what w- would have been my last question, but it's not. And I always ask a stony story, and that's a great stony story. I like that one, and it's a fan favorite. Um, Definitely. Let me just ask you something personal. Um, what inspires you daily in work and your personal life? If do you bifurcate, or like, are you most like most cannabis executives? You like everything gets sucked together. And I think most. <laughs> Most uh, most startups and growing industries, everything gets sucked together, and you you can't you can't necessarily put everything into its its neat organized little box and right and and not deal with it for a certain amount of time. But uh, what I what I really get excited about is rarely do you get an opportunity to to do something that truly changes uh, and impacts a large swath of people. I mean, I you look back, this is an industry. This doesn't come along every five years. This doesn't come along every every forty years. This is a uh, multi generational um, just consumption shift, and, yeah. and it's really fascinating to be able to 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 say, and it's humbling to be able to say, I'm part of one of the original brands that has really taken some risks and and gotten out there to to try to normalize this as a as a acceptable form of a Friday night or or a Saturday afternoon. Um, social event and yeah and that really being able to take that and try to have a consistent product across markets and and really build the build the infrastructure that needs to be in place to do it against all of the challenges that, that we come across on a daily basis i mean that that gets you that gets you going in the morning and huh. it's not it's not easy and and i think we we spoke briefly i have, I have two small children and it, it's my wife is my hero because she shoulders a lot of that while i'm um, in the trenches on some of these things, trying to trying to build this this industry, and yeah. so it's trying to find balance in that regard. And cannabis is is more accepting to a work life balance in in many aspects because I think people just live it all the time, and and I found that very refreshing. Uh, the the gears never stop turning, but it is nice to be able to work in an industry that does appreciate family, that does have a lot of family companies. Yeah. And I have noticed that the working hours for cannabis, not me or you probably, but um, is like 1030 to about 930 at night. You know, so yeah, yeah. it's quite a different it's, schedule. It's, well, I think we get we get we get a lot done in the first couple hours before everybody else else shows up. And then... <laughs> before before you take your first call, I get it. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you a final question. Instead of Stony story, I want to ask you about uh, are there other cannabis drinks out there that you like? Um, and feel free to shout them out if you want, because there are a couple that I like out there that's not yeah. just Keith, but it's nice to have a robust retail marketplace. So anybody Absolutely. else you want to shout out? 
Absolutely. And, and I, I love that there are new entrants coming in. Uh, a rising tide lifts all ships. Uh, Absolutely. We love, we love our partners at Cannacraft and, and the Hi-Fi. The Hi-Fi Hops is a great oh, product. Yeah. We actually, we produce it in Colorado, so we don't even com- consider that a, a competitor. It's just part of the family. Um, yep. the, the low dose options that are coming out, which are, are having a tougher time catching on in an established market like Colorado, which is wildly different than the California market where low dose is, is all the rage. Um, companies like Can, we, we, love, we love all those guys. So we, and I think we're at a stage in the industry where we do have to, to be um, locked together and, and right. really get the word out. And one of the great things that, that Eric did was to get very involved early on in uh, a lot of the trade associations. And so now there's a there's a cannabis beverage council. Uh, there's the American Trade Association of Cannabis and Hemp. There, there are so many good organizations where you can get like-minded people together, and and everyone has this shared understanding that we're not trying to claw it out Coke and Pepsi style in a hundred-year-old industry. We're we're trying to get out and make sure that our our competition is other substitutes of edibles, but even beyond that, other forms of consumption. And so we've, we've all been very big on the educational aspects of it and, and why beverage versus, versus some of the other form factors. Yeah. You know, a cooler cabinet with only keef in it at a dispensary is a lonely cooler cabinet. It exactly. needs other things like can, it needs wonder, it needs Calexo, all interesting and different drinks. Everybody it, needs, it also to- needs dissolvables too. It needs, it needs yeah. some sugies. It needs some ripple. I think that Boom. the dissolvable segment is so awesome. I, I love the dissolvable segment. There's so much versatility there. Yeah. Well, um, Travis, we're at the end of the half an hour. Thank you for being here. Do you have anything you want to plug right now? Got any new flavors coming out? Well, we do. We're about to, in Colorado, we've just launched it in our Keef Life Water line. Um, we've started to, to include some, some minor cannabinoids. So in, in some of these, we, we were trying to make this a more functional drink. So we have um, three different options. We have one uh, that has some THCV added into it, one that has some CBN, uh, and one with CBG. And, and we're really excited about that. We just brought that out, and we're, we're going to have some more press around that very soon. Uh, and we're also, I want to plug our most recent partners in the last three states that we that we launched in, in Missouri, in Maine and Ohio, um, the folks at Clover in Missouri, the folks at Buckeye Relief in Ohio and, and the guys at Novel Beverage Co. Um, they've been absolutely phenomenal. Now, Travis, if you're going to be in Missouri, you better start pronouncing it Missouri. True, true, true. <laughs> this is Colorado kid with uh, with some West Coast, some West Coast. And I got I got to get that get that under under control been- here. I've been schooled on that by my my buddy from Missouri, and he's like he corrects me all the time. So shout I am out, certain Bill. I'm certain I'm gonna get get schooled as well here by the by the folks at <laughs> Clover. But uh, it's cool. a they're great partners, and I really appreciate them. Right on. Well, this has been a wonderful half an hour with Travis Tharp, the CEO of Keefe Brands. You can find Keefe probably at a dispensary near you: Original Cola, Blue Raz, Bubba Kush, Root Beer, Orange Crush. Orange Kush, sorry, Purple Passion, Blackberry Coconut, Raspberry Blood Orange, and so much more, including their 100 milligram um, drinks and now their 500 milligram drinks. So look for them at a dispensary near you. This show, as always, is brought to you by Sense Distribution and Shuggies, S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S. Now in the home baker bag, 100 milligrams of THC and eight ounces of sugar. We also have Stevia finally coming to the market after a nightmare in testing. 
Um, we also have pourable agave coming out probably in two weeks. So um, as soon as lounges open up, we'll be bringing back the 20 packs of Shuggies agave and sugar. So look for them at a dispensary near you. Travis, thank you very, very much for being here. It's been entertaining and enlightening. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Layden. Appreciate it. Okay, we'll, um, we'll talk to you soon. Hopefully, if you ever want to launch anything, call me back. Definitely. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.